The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, but trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you didn't know any better, you think the analysts who populate Wall Street are really just a bunch of weathermen. Every day you hear the same kind of chatter. Oh, such and such is a tailwind. Or look out, this or that is a headwind. <laughs> On a day like today where the Dow slipped 167 points, as we lost 0.48%, NASDAQ declined 0.21%, it's enough to make you take a course in meteorology just to know which way the wind blows. Right now, there are so many cross currents, and it feels like the wind blows both ways at the same time. That gets, that gets days like today that start dramatically lower and then levitate where the wind switches directions and the headwinds morph into tailwinds. And then the tailwinds die and the market goes right back down again. <laughs> now, of course, you don't care about today's weather. What good is that to you? You want to forecast. But you know, it's easier said than done. How do you navigate your way through this confusing market? Well, let's take the, the winds head on, starting with the winds from the vaccine. Now, we know it is a huge tailwind for the economy. Once enough people are vaccinated, we can reopen everything risk-free, go back to normal. Once the vaccine is distributed, you can feel confident that the more marginal restaurants and retailers will make it. There'll be jubilation, like the jubilation that Kohl's got today underneath its stock, or Ralph Lauren, or Lululemon, or VF Corp, which sell more clothes. Malls can reopen. Troubled retailers will be able to survive. Can Macy's, which reports later this week, be far behind? Interesting single-digit stock. Meanwhile, the younger Robinhood traders, as we like to call them, the really aggressive ones, are betting heavily on the cruise lines. Between the vaccine and the high-quality tests, soon enough we'll be able to take a cruise again. But there's an example that there were tremendous tailwinds at the beginning of the day and ended up with headwinds. I don't know. Then there's all enchilada, air travel. Can you imagine if the vaccine gets produced en masse 
right around when the FAA approves Boeing's redesigned 737 MAX and the Biden administration starts making nice with China, generating lots of new orders for the American aerospace industry. I mean, that's practically a monsoon worth of tailwinds. Some, suddenly, even something like General Electric's worth owning. They're a huge winner making Boeing engines and wind turbines now that we're about to have a renewable-friendly president. Oh, we're probably going to have a divided government come January, but energy is one area where the White House has made a huge difference based on how they choose to apply regulations. Under Trump, we've had four years of drill, baby drill. In fact, they just moved to sell oil rights to the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Now, can you imagine being the oil CEO as to go, go home and break the news to the kids? Hey, kids, I'm home. Just wanted to let you know we wiped out a bunch of endangered species today, including some adorable polar bears. Don't worry, though. It was for a good cause. Fossil fuels! Even if you want to take a total mercenary attitude toward the environment, I don't see the point in selling off valuable oil rights when the price of crude oil is below $41 a barrel. What's a Washington oil right now? I, I think we're running low on caribou. All right, let's get back on track. You've got all these restaurants, retailers, cruise lines, and aerospace companies that benefit from the vaccine. But it's not just a tailwind for many companies. It's a headwind. And it, it, you saw it writ large today with... Uh, a pair of stellar quarters from Home Depot and Walmart. Now, by the way, these were some of the best n- the numbers I have ever seen. Home Depot put up a 24% same-store sales growth number. I- I've never seen anything like that. That's incredible. No, never. Meanwhile, Walmart's U.S. e-commerce business shot up 79% year-over-year. Yet both stocks just got annihilated today. You know why? Because the vaccine is a headwind for them. There's no way Home Depot or Walmart can keep delivering this kind of growth once the world goes back to normal. The only way they can keep putting up such great results is if we're still stuck inside next year, renovating our homes with help from Home Depot while we order all sorts of stuff from Walmart's website. But thanks to Pfizer and Moderna, well, that's not where we're headed. You take away the stay-at-home economy, and these two stories become a lot less attractive. Will we really need Walmart's local e-commerce when we can safely go out and shop anywhere? Maybe some of us will be so enamored with Walmart's digital offering that we'll never, ever go back to a brick-and-mortar store again. But I bet most people can't wait to shop normally. I mean, really. I mean, people like to shop. Remember, it's America. As for Home Depot, I'm sure some people will keep fleeing to the, from the cities to the suburbs. But once the vaccine's everywhere, well, maybe that changes the incentives. Maybe we'll still need new appliances and chairs and sofas made by Whirlpool or Herman Miller. But uh, will we need more tools from Stanley Black & Decker? Maybe we have them all. How about lumber flooring? I mean, there's only so many times you can remodel, right? And let me redo this kitchen again. I redid it six months ago. The same goes for Amazon, the ultimate stay-at-home play. The only reason that stock didn't get hammered is that they decided to disrupt the entire drugstore business today. And, and even that barely allowed Amazon to rally. It did fall 50 points from its intraday high when we realized that the vaccine is a headwind. Of course, the vaccine is not only bre- the only breeze we have to deal with here. I told you there are cost currents. Sure, the vaccine is coming. But at this very moment, the pandemic is raging worse than ever. We likely won't see mass distribution of the vaccine until the second quarter of next year. So what does that mean for the stock market? If we get six more months of COVID, that is a real tailwind for tech companies that help businesses move their operations online. Who's the most essential when your workers are operating from remote locations? Well, last night we heard from Nikesh Arora. He's the CEO of Palo Alto Networks, and he told us his cybersecurity is red hot because all these remote workers create additional vulnerabilities. He said he's got some new software that lets companies look through the eyes of potential hackers. That could be useful. There's a reason Palo Alto rallied again, this time another $15 today, on top of a magnificent 20-point run yesterday. Wow. The positive pin action did indeed lift 
the whole segment. Even as I agree with Nikesh that the best may be Palo Alto. Finally, there's one part of the weather report that's really a total wild card. Maybe even a freak ray of sunshine. I'm talking about the possibility of a stimulus bill. Now, I don't think it's likely, but if Congress can come up with a compromise, that would allow pretty much everyone to win. That would be real fear of missing out if that happened. Uh, we'll need to have money to keep shopping at Walmart or Costco, which paid a great $10 uh, special dividend. We keep remodeling with Home Depot. We wouldn't fear a recession despite the weak aggregate retail sales numbers we saw this morning. We'd be able to justify this three-day magnificent run in the Russell 2000 small cap index that everybody keeps talking about and I'm sick of. However, I'm not super optimistic on the stimulus front. The bottom line, instead of that freak ray of sunshine, we have got variable wins sometimes two different kinds, even in the same session, where the push and pull of these weather systems creates a curious swirl that's very hard to predict, even by highly paid Wall Street weathermen masquerading as analysts. Let's go to K10 in Washington, D.C. K10. Booyah, Jim. A big fan of your show. Oh, thank you. So I have a question for you about Alibaba. Uh, it has been trading in red for strict, uh, six days straight, and it's at 257 now. Uh, do you think it's already reached its bottom and it's a good time to buy this week, or you think it might go down? I mean, they've cussed this one. And i got to tell you, um, a lot of this is because uh, President Xi is trying to be able to uh, win a yeah, – I think he's trying to teach them a lesson. I agree that you can start buying some here. It was a fly or something. I think you can start buying some. And I do think, by the way, that this is the only company, as we said this morning, that has true American financials. So I'm okay with Alibaba. It is the Communist Party maybe teaching them a lesson, but maybe it's going on for too long. Nate in Pennsylvania. Nate. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. The stock at hand is Keurig Dr. Pepper. As we get set for another potential lockdown, there are a lot of customers out there that will continue to enjoy coffee at home, especially with Dunkin' Donuts recently announcing they're closing 8% of stores over the next 12 months. I'm seeing the at-home coffee ecosystem take off with Keurig's 34% increase in coffee machine sales last quarter. The stock is flat over the trailing three months, and it's the same story over the past year, excluding March. What do you got, Jim? Thanks well, you know, they, they did a gigantic, there was a gigantic offering at $28.45 today in 60 million shares. And it wasn't theirs, by the way, it was a shareholder. And I am completely in agree with you. I think the stock's been knocked down as everyone knew that that offering was going to happen. The market held, and I think the stock is a buy. I was looking at it for the Chapel Trust, which you can follow along at, uh, by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. I think you've got a really great idea. Okay, look, it's a confusing moment with a lot of headwinds that turn into tailwinds and there conflict. A lot of cross currents, but we'll figure them all out. Man Money Tonight, I'm focusing on one under-the-radar COVID player that is involved with every company working on a vaccine and a lot of other industries as well. Don't miss my sit-down with Rockwell Automation after its investor day. Then I've spotted a group where big institutional investors are buying some of the names hand over fist. But can the move in the semiconductor equipment stocks continue? I'm going off the charts. And, yes, one of your faves, Lordstown Motors, says its all-electric truck orders are rolling in and selling out. I'm talking with the CEO about the demand he's seeing and whether the company can deliver. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Now that earnings season's in the rearview mirror, we can start hunting for high-quality stocks that got slammed, maybe because the market misjudged the results. Stocks like Rockwell Automation, one of the leading players in the industrial automation space. A week ago, the company reported a seemingly mixed quarter. Even though the earnings came in better than expected, sales were regarded as being a bit light. So the stock got hit. It got hit hard, down nearly 8% over the next three days. However, Rockwell Automation also gave you some tremendous guidance for next year. They're talking about making uh, 8.45 to 8.85 per share. Wall Street was only looking for eight bucks. I mean, less than that. Now, some of that's because the stock had run going into the quarter. But after its pullback, I think it's still pretty attractive. But it is reinventing itself. And that's something we have to focus on. So let's take a closer look with Blake Moret. He's the chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation to get a better read on the business in the wake of the company's annual investor meeting. Mr. Moret, welcome to Mad Money. Great to be here, Jim. All right. So, Blake, you did an acquisition today of... Uh, called Fix, that's F-I-I-X, that I think is emblematic of what I call the new Rockwell automation. So perhaps you can explain it to viewers because they don't think, wow, hold on, wait a sec. This is just some old line metal bender. I I tell you, Jim, uh, the acquisition today is a really exciting one because it spans the gap that's traditionally existed between manually entered keystroke data and real-time data that's coming from the equipment itself to help take maintenance and automation really to a whole new level. Now, I know from speaking to Chuck Robbins, who spoke today, that he thinks you're a great partner of his, by the way, and that there are really some things going on with operational industry 4.0 that are really rather amazing that I think most people don't even know are going on. We're really taking manufacturing to a whole new level. We're taking the traditional operational technology and know-how that's existed on the plant floor for so many years. And we're marrying that with IT technology and bringing those together. And it's really unlocking a whole new level of productivity 
across all the industries that we serve. At the same time, you're doing some incredible things besides the maintenance suite uh, with supply management. And it came up several times what you're doing with Johnson and Johnson with supply chain. And yes, with the COVID vaccine. We're uh, we're involved with really virtually all of the manufacturers who are working on the treatments and the tests and and the vaccines around the world uh, for the for the virus. And uh, we're really helping them uh, and helping the world to recover. So we're involved in the formulation, the packaging, the tracing. And uh, you obviously have to do this at unbelievable scale uh, to be able to meet the need. Not many companies could handle that. And also that gigantic Navy contract you've got. I mean, you have you're getting some some huge contracts right now. Yeah, the the Navy contract was the largest single order that Rockwell Automation has ever received. And it was for our independent cart technology, which is a special form of motion control that's used not only in this application, but in e-commerce for sortation, for packaging, even in automotive. Speaking of automotive, uh, I've been doing a lot on these uh, resurrection of car plants. I just spoke with uh, with Lordstown. You're doing one Rivian, which is an old Mitsubishi plant in normal Illinois that I don't know if anyone else could do besides you. You know, this is a great story. And uh, we're uh, we're helping Rivian retrofit an old plant uh, down there in uh, Illinois. They're going to be producing the world's first fully electric pickup truck. And they're also going to be producing an electric SUV in that plant. And that's important because I'm in the queue and I'm going to be getting one of those SUVs when it comes off the line next year. Well, we should mention that they have a very powerful partner, right? This is not some startup. This is this is not a startup. Uh, they've got some uh, strong investors uh, because they really like the innovation that Rivian is putting into these vehicles. Yep, and I know Amazon loves them too. Now, one of the things that I was trying to figure out is how to, uh, how Satya Nadella came into play, how Microsoft is also working with you, because that would be quite a switch to have Microsoft working with Rockwell. Well, we've had a partnership for a long time, and we've certainly used lots of Microsoft products, but to be able to take our offering and to have a version of it available as a service, cloud native, and we partnered with Microsoft and their Azure platform to be able to get to market really fast. And this started with a co-innovations event last January. So we're less than a year in and we're already getting ready to start releasing product. Now, the one thing I don't want to do is give people the impression that you've backed away from traditional industries. Now, you still have some oil and gas exposure. Oil and gas has been weaker. There's a th- uh, thought that oil and gas are starting to go, actually go The well, price of oil is going up, maybe because we won't be drilling so much. But is that a business that we need to be worried about? Do we have to see if oil goes to 35, whether Rockwell Automation is, is therefore not going to do as well? You know, oil and gas remains a big part of the automation market. And while it's tough for everybody in oil and gas right now, I like our position. Uh, We're focused on OPEX and really squarely focused on reducing the break-even cost to produce a barrel of oil from an existing well. It's not so much about the drill rig count and putting new holes in the ground. It's more about making existing wells and existing assets just as efficient as possible using software, using as-a-service application tools to be able to add additional analytics to existing processes and make them work better. So that might be how the Permian, which we thought was a spent oil field, is able to actually produce so much more oil than we thought. That's right. 
Um, do, do we have to worry about uh, any implications? You know, the president, we have a new president, may not be as committed to, to reshoring as President Trump. Uh, do you care much about who's in the White House in terms of Rockwell autom uh, Automation's numbers? You know, we, we really advocate uh, for policies uh, more than we do individual candidates. And it was encouraging to see that both candidates talked a lot about uh, the importance of American manufacturing that's really right at the vital core of the U.S. economy. And so we're confident that the president-elect will come in and will remember how important it is to support the policies, the workforce development, and most importantly, the innovation that continues to drive the American uh, manufacturing economy. Well, we sure have to hope so, because this is a policy that is really working, particularly when I see fields like things, stories like Rivian. I mean, what a great comeback story. And those cannot be possible without refurbishing those robots, which is what you know how to do better than anybody. I want to thank you, Blake Barrett, Chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation, ROK. Mad Money will be back here for the break. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In a market that's caught fire, where so much money seems to be rotating out of the technology place, what do we make of the incredible rally in the semiconductor capital equipment makers? Do you know over the last few weeks, Lamb Research, KLA Tencor, or CLAC, and Applied Materials have all caught fire in a, in a blaze of glory, in part because they each reported terrific quarters with strong demand for the machinery and good pricing power. But when you see this kind of magnificent breakout in semiconductor equipment, it means Wall Street's betting big that the chip makers will need to invest heavily in new machinery next year in order to expand production. More importantly, they're betting that these are the ultimate Biden stocks. Biden stocks. Because why? They do a ton of business in China. And everybody I deal with off the record expects the Biden administration to ratchet back Trump's trade war for good or ill. When it comes to semiconductor equipment plays, well, smoother relations with the Chinese are just what the doctor ordered because these really are the front lines. And don't forget, a lot of them have... You know, it's Taiwan Semi. I mean, there's, let's put it this way. This is the jewel of what we have in our country, these three companies, okay? And these three companies, the Chinese, I think we're going to come down on the hardest if we continue in what we were doing. So you've got to wonder if their stocks can maintain this kind of momentum, which you're going to see right in conjunction with the election. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to be dispassionate about it. We got to go off the charts. Take a close look at semiconductor capital equipment plays with help of Bob Lang. He's the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net. He's a brilliant technician, all-star duo behind the Street.com's trifecta stocks newsletter, and he's also the author of a book called Know Your Options. So I'm going to start. By the way, these 
These charts are spectacular. Okay, I mean they're they're unbelievable, and if you don't know about them, you're you're missing out on a lot. Let's, this is the chart of Lamb Research LRCX, which is the old Novellus merged with Lamb Research, run by a guy from Novellus, Tim Archer, heir by, of uh, he's the uh, the successor to uh, to Rick Hill. In the last three weeks, this stock has surged from 330 to 430. Look at this move, will you? Three weeks. It's now far above where it was trading in February before the COVID collapse. Far above it. Lang thinks this chart is a thing of beauty. Lamb's made a series of higher highs, uh, higher lows, strong volume. Look at this. It's breakout. Um, this is a textbook example of a very bullish pattern, even though, as I think you might be saying, well, wait a second, that's looking for a fall. In late October, Lamb pulled back to its 50-day moving average. Uh, that's a short-term measure of the stock's trajectory, 50-day. Uh, and then it immediately rebounded like crazy. I mean, that's another strong sign. However, there's such a massive move. Uh, you know, Lang thinks Ram, Lamb is due for a temporary pullback. In fact, it wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to the 400 level. And, but if that pullback happens, he expects Lamb to make another incredible comeback, just like when it bounced off the 50-day. And that's 50-week. And this, what's really important is what he's saying basically is this pattern off the 50-week is going to happen again, except for the 50-week by that point will be up there. Nice. After that pit stop, he's thinking it's smooth sailing to 500 bucks. That is some serious upside. If he's right, you have to be prepared to buy the dip. And I think the business is going to be very good so it can make that happen. I just hope Lamb gives you that pullback. Company reported blowout quarter, terrific guidance. Then a week later, they rolled out a $5 billion buyback. And we know the China opportunity could be enormous. $5 billion. Most people are cutting their buybacks. I like the stock. In fact, the stock came down 7 bucks today. But I'd like it even more if it keeps falling. Remember, what we like on the show are pullbacks. So when it goes down 7, that intrigues us. It doesn't scare us. Next up, check out the daily chart of applied materials. This thing surged from 57 to 74 in the last three weeks. It's a move of tremendous power, even relative to the rest of the market. Now, some of that is indeed the election. Some of it's because applied materials reported good quarter last week with solid guidance. But I've got to tell you, I felt the election drove it. I was on the call. The call was good, but the election was better. This one is Lang's favorite name in the group. Why? Well, take a look at the shake in money flow down here. Okay, CMF. Uh, it, it, it measures the level of buying and selling pressure. All right, it's been a little rat. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's currently in positive territory. It's trending higher. Meanwhile, the stock is word on healthy volume. That's the green circle. Remember, to a technician, volume is like a lie detector. A big move on low volume is untrustworthy. A big move on high volume is usually something you can bank on. And that says it's bankable. Most importantly, Last week, applied materials broke out above the ceiling of resistance created by its August highs. So the ceiling became a new floor of support if it comes back down. While the stock pulled back a bit after its earnings report, it rebounded rather than breaking down below the floor. As Lang sees it, this is a $74 stock that could be headed, yep, to $100 a share. Business is good. It's going to need a change in the China policy to make it to go there, though. They've always had great business in China. Finally, there's KLA Corp. Uh, the semiconductor equipment maker, formerly known as KLA Tencor. Uh, just look at Lamb Research. Uh, just like Lamb Research, this one's made a nice series of higher highs. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Lang notes that the stock pulled back to its 200-day moving average, okay, uh, and in September, back here. Then it rebounded dramatically, another good sign. More importantly, the pattern of higher highs goes all the way back to April. I mean, this is just... This is just a monster good chart. And Lang says it's got real staying power. Now look at the moving average convergence divergence, or the MACD at the bottom. Uh, this is a real powerful indicator, too. When it comes to KL8, made what's known as a bullish crossover right here. 
We've seen those before. That's a very reliable pattern. The stock's going higher. Tells Lang that the stock could have more room to run. At the same time, again, we go to the CMF for the check and money flow. Uh, it's still a negative territory, even as the stock is suggested higher. But he thinks it's uh, far. That means it's good news because it's far from being overbought. Put it all together. 242 stock headed to 260 in Lang's opinion. Where do I come down? I have loved these stocks. See, you know, my Chapel Trust owned, we had a huge hit in Lamb Research. I, I just got impatient. I thought we had made so much money. Tim Archer came in. He's just been crushing it. Applied Materials is such a good company. I've never really, never, I haven't owned Kaylee since my hedge fund back in the 1990s. But this is one of those bull markets that works regardless of how long it takes for us to roll out a COVID vaccine. Between the strength of the semiconductor place more generally and the new administration's friendlier attitude toward China, something that's definitely played a role in the run of these stocks, it makes sense that the semiconductor equipment makers have roared. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do exactly what Bob Lang says, the bottom line. The charts as interpreted by Lang suggest that the semiconductor capital equipment names could give you a lot more upside, even though they already have, especially LAM and applied materials. If he's right, this is the beginning of a new cycle. And you would look at that if you look at the stock of Micron, by the way, you might think that. And this move, as implausible as it may be, could just be getting started. Philip in Ohio, Philip. Hey, Jim. A bibbidi-bobbidi-booyah to you. I like that. It's just got kind of a Disney theme to it. I like Disney stock. goes to 150. What's going on? Uh, since the, uh, IBM seems to be reinventing itself uh, with its acquisition of Red Hat, and its dividend is at 5.5%, do you see it as a buy, hold, or a sell? Right, I think it is a value stock waiting for something good to happen. Uh, the last quarter was okay. Uh, if they have, look, let's put it this way. If they have a great quarter, this stock is at 150 in a heartbeat. Downside, difficult, given the fact that they have such cash flow. I don't think that you're going to see a 6 or 7% yield. So I like the risk award very, very much. I want to go to Debs in Illinois. Debs. Yo, the man, the myth, the legend, and booyah. What is good, Mr. Kramer? Dynamite. What's happening? What's up? Um, so my question is about a stock in the information technology sector and semiconductors and equipment industry. It yields a 0.37% dividend. It has consistently beat earnings estimates over the past three quarters. It dropped slightly today, but is essentially at 52-week high territory and has increased about 60% over a 52-week period. It has overperformed relative to its industry in virtually all of its returns ratios, IMSEF significantly lower debt, and has maintained steady profit. All right. However, this is complicated by insider transactions that have been Nearly all sell orders. The hmm. stock is Teradyne, ticker symbol. Well, Teradyne is a great company. Teradyne is just a great company and a great part of the cycle. Uh, again, I like the companies that I've been describing. They have they have a ton of orders, and the cycle seems to be tra- changing for a bunch of the different semiconductors because of demand. A lot of that is 5G, by the way. Okay, money's been rotating out of tech. I keep hearing that. Oh, they hate tech. They hate tech. What do they want? What are they going into? Okay, not everybody can go into Boeing and Caterpillar. All right, you can't all just go into the Russell. I think the semiconductor capital equipment names are still great places to be, and this rotation out usually ends up being the rotation back. So think about Applied Materials. Think about Lam Research. Those are terrific. And you know what? Kelly ain't so bad either. Much more mad money, including my exclusive with Lordstown Motors. Pre-orders for its commercial all-electric truck continue to grow, but we'll be waiting well into 2021 for the first vehicles. But a lot of people have patience when it comes to Lordstown. I'm going to talk to the CEO about how its plans to keep up with demand. Then what do you do when the Death Star strikes? I'm talking Amazon's move into the back of the drugstore. It's a controversial name. It's going to go down tomorrow. 
and I think it then it might be a buy. And of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Right now, the auto industry is on fire, especially the electric vehicle place. Hey, Tesla just added the S&P 500 last night. I'm determined to cover all ends of this business because I know you want it. So tonight, I want to circle back to one that recently came public by merging with a SPAC, or Special Purpose Acquisition Company. I'm talking about Lordstown Motors, symbol ride, easy to remember for you home gamers, which combined with Diamond Peak Holdings on October 26. At the time, the stock was $13. Since then, it has soared to nearly $25, including a monster 26% move yesterday, nearly 10% gain today after the company provided a very bullish business update. They're working on a fully electric pickup truck, the Lordstown Endurance, which they plan to start delivering next September. So far, they've already got roughly 50,000 non-binding reservations from commercial pickup truck fleets. However, the electric truck space, it's getting a little more competitive by the day. So how much more upside could this thing have? Let's take a closer look with Steve Burns. He's the founder, chairman, CEO of Lordstown Motors. You get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Burns, welcome to Man Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Steve, first, just you, you got a, a great story here. Uh, the background, it's a great American story between what happened at Lordstown and what's happening now. So why don't you tell us? Uh, yeah. So for those who don't know us, we purchased uh, a shuttered GM plant in Lordstown, Ohio, which is northeast Ohio. It had been here for 53 years and shut down kind of abruptly. So a lot of a lot of pain in the area. So uh, we were able to purchase from from GM. And GM also invested in us and helped us start it and uh, has opened up their parts bin. So they really uh, have helped us get here quickly. So we're in a race to, uh, to bring this back to life and, you know, come out with the first electric pickup truck in the United States. All right. So give us the value proposition for the endurance, because it isn't exactly like every other pickup we've ever seen. Yeah. Well, we sell to commercial fleets. That's our first customer. And like you said, we've already got 50,000 pre-orders. And when you sell to fleets, we couldn't do what most EV companies are doing, where you come out with a luxury price point and move move downstream. You know, a fleet guy would get fired for buying a luxury luxury truck. So we had to come out on par with the gas uh, truck's pricing. And to do that, we had to invent a new drivetrain. And, and that drivetrain had to be reasonably priced, but rough and tough enough what, what people expect of a modern-day pickup truck, I mean, they think it should be able to climb a, a wall and haul and tow. So we used hub motors, which are, if you think of a Lime or Bird scooter, right? Mm-hmm. there's no motor with a sprocket and a chain going to the back. Uh, the motor's in the wheel. And so we have very large versions of that. And as a result, uh, we didn't just kind of make a pickup truck to compare to, let's say, a Ford 150. We really feel it's better on almost every metric. And it seems as if uh, some of these orders, the 50,000, are from solid, a Duke Energy, a First Energy. These people are not going to be walking away. They are committed. Right. Yeah. All of them. You know, when you order, I think our average order size is about 500 trucks at a time. And, you know, as, as most of them are signed by the CEOs of these large firms. And, you know, bringing in 500 electric vehicles into your fleet is not trivial. So you got to plan all the charging and everything. So very serious orders. All right. So what is the uh, relationship with General Motors? Because their investment was a little difficult for many of our viewers to understand, but it seems pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the relationship started as just a quick asset sale. They were just going to sell us the factory. And it's it slowly uh, migrated into something much richer. But essentially, they uh, came into the pipe 
uh, with cash and what's what's called in kind, all the things they did for us to help us start it up. Uh, and so they're they're one of the pipe investors, along with you know long-term institutionals like Fidelity, uh, BlackRock. Uh, but they, of course, bring more than money. They bring a, a great relationship. All right. So I want to go back to that price point, a price of fifty two thousand five hundred. To me, it seems pretty aggressive. I mean, there's a brand new truck and uh, it looks really cool. And, and I know that it's got a lot of uh, excitement to it. But how do you keep that price down? Well, these sub motors are a big part. And, you know, like any battery electric vehicle, and especially a truck that has a large battery, this battery is bigger than the biggest Tesla battery. Uh, you've got to control your battery pack. So uh, I think everybody's familiar with the Tesla Gigafactory. We are building that ourselves here. Uh, we buy the cells like Tesla does, and we control the pack. So you got to control that cost and that quality. And then the hub motors let us – there's only four moving parts in this in this drivetrain as opposed to thousands that are in a conventional four-wheel drive vehicle. So the simplicity cuts cost, cuts the labor involved in making these vehicles. So uh, it's, it's, it's how we were able to do it. All right, so uh, let's say I buy one of these. I'm a small business person. Uh, what do I do about charging, and what do I do if there's a problem with my engine? Good. Two things. First of all, you'll probably buy it for forty-five thousand instead of the fifty-two because we get a seventy-five hundred dollar instant tax rebate. Uh, if you're a small landscaper with three trucks, you will buy three, you know, uh, chargers from us or Home Depot or all the places you can buy a level two. Uh, charger. You can certainly fast charge it at any DC charger uh, out there like uh, Electrify America that's using the VW uh, diesel gate dollars to propagate these chargers all around. Uh, if you're a large, large uh, fleet and you've got a big depot, it's probably a little more involved, but charging hasn't been, uh, hasn't been a deterrent at all. Everybody kind of accepts that as we'll be able to get them charged. All right. So we've got Ford coming in. Uh, obviously, we've got Tesla coming in. Uh, I've got a Rivian truck in front of me that looks pretty darn good. I mean, have we got room for everybody? Uh, well, first of all, I think everybody in America knows number one, number two, and number three best-selling vehicles in America are pickup trucks. So lots of room. Um, you know, we've picked a lane. So nobody else, although that seems pretty crowded, what you're discussing there, uh, nobody else has this lane where we're building a truck for fleets, a full size, like the Rivian that you mentioned is not a full size truck. The uh, Tesla truck, you know, reinventing it into the, mm -hmm. the cyber truck. We feel that's not really a, a, a work truck per se. Uh, the three incumbents, of course, will come out with electric trucks, but, you know, they're, they're a little bit conflicted because they can't cannibalize. Uh, they're gasoline trucks, so they're going to be a little slower to market. And I don't think anybody's at our price point, right? So we really maniacally have keep, kept the price low. Right, well, we want to keep following Lord's Town. You're an amazing story. I like the, the Bolt Valley. I like everything about it because it's about making yeah. things here that are better than anybody else. Steve Burns, Chairman CEO of Lord's Town Motors. Great to meet you, sir. Thanks, Jim. You too. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. It's up the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance over the lightning round. Let's start with Larry in Florida. Larry. Hi, Jim. Larry from Tampa, Florida. First time caller. Appreciate all you do. Oh, thank you, buddy. My question for you. 
My question for you is EXP Holdings, symbol EXPI. They reported third quarter earnings increase of 100% on revenue, 103% gross profit. Today they announced they're expanding into India. They're currently in five countries. I just want your opinion. Yeah, they made some big acquisition. I, I got to look more at it because the stock has been a total rocket ship. But I got to find out more about it than I can uh, than I can opine on. I'm sorry. I will I will get back to you. Uh, we got to do some homework, man. Let's go to Diana in Texas. Diana. Hi, Jim. This is Diana in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. I have a two part question. In September, Snowflake public offering was two fifty per share. Mm-hmm. You considered it overpriced, and you recommended hold off ninety days before buying your thoughts today do we hold for the 90 days or wow. buy today's price of 248 snowflake does not come in i thought the stock would come in frank swoopman's doing an amazing job it is maybe the fastest growing larger company in america so i don't know i mean i guess you could buy some i think frank's unbelievable i did think that you get a break and we have not gotten a break in this stock it's actually pretty bullish let's go to betsy in california betsy Hey, Jimmy, I'm going to call you BC because I think of you as Big Kramer. Um, Jimmy, I want to bring in a, to a, you the attention of a stock called QRTEA. Man, that's the e-commerce play. God, we have a lot of these e-commerce plays. Um, again, I'm going to have to do homework on it. I mean, I know this is... It's tough. I would like to know every single stock. There's so many that have come public and so many e-commerce and SaaS plays that I just cannot just say I like it or I don't. I've got to do some homework. Let's go to Creston in Tennessee. Creston. Booyah! Wow. What's going on? Just Kramer, how are you? I am good. How about you? I'm great. Hey, 47 years old, been trading since uh, March and still trying to get a handle of things. Bought an IPO, MCFE, and it dropped... Yeah, yeah. There are so many companies in that particular lower end part of cybersecurity. I I, I just have to say no. I'm going to just say no. I I don't think it's a good stock. I just don't. Let's go to Brad in Connecticut, please. Brad. Hey, Jim. Uh, First time caller. Thanks for uh, all the wisdom uh, every night. Uh, So my question is about what are your thoughts on Facebook? Okay. Think someone's beating the bejesus out of this guy while he's asking me a question. Um, yeah, Facebook I like. I got a lot of people in my Twitter feed who weren't just trashing me for liking to have more people stay alive. I, I don't know. I always thought that was a popular position. And, and someone in, in, interspersed with myself how Facebook is going to, is Facebook done? Is Facebook, why is it done? Why is it done after what it's doing for small business? After what it's got the, the best bargain if you want to advertise? I don't think it's done. I mean, look, you may not like what they did politically, but it's not done. It's a way for businesses to thrive. I got to go to Jermaine in Arizona, please. Jermaine. Booyah, Jim. How you doing? I'm good. How about you, Jermaine? Hey, not too bad, Jim. Jim, I just want to say thank you. Me, um, my roommate and I just um, been watching the show for a long time. Oh, and fantastic. Definitely, um, we definitely appreciate you giving us knowledge towards our black community as well, too. And thank I do you. have a question regarding about Lee Auto. Um, due to Lee Auto's performance, um, we see that has been growing exponentially over the time. Yes. Do you recommend it to still be a buy or should we just hold off? Okay, hold on to I'm going to give an answer to both Lee and Neo. All right. Um, there are so many young investors who have every right to be able to speculate. And I think both of these are speculations. I think you put a little money in them. Uh, if they come back down, you put a little. But understand, they are speculations. Older people, no. 
These are way too risky. But younger people like Jermaine, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I, do I, have they gone up enough already? They've gone up a lot, but I'm not going to keep people out of the next of what may be the Chinese Tesla. Okay? And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. How do you defend yourself against the Death Star? I'm talking about Amazon, which has now decided to destroy the back of the drugstore, the pharmacy business. After, of course, destroying the front of the store a long time ago. They've been floating this idea for ages, yet it clearly came as a shock to investors because the drugstore stocks and the distributors, wow, they got just annihilated today. This was some nasty wake-up call. So why don't we go over what happened here? First, if you're a member of Amazon Prime, like I am, you'll be able to get possibly the lowest prices around on prescription drugs. We're talking 80% savings when paying without insurance. And because Amazon's affiliated with an outfit called Inside RX, which seems a lot like the newly public Good RX, no wonder that thing got killed, they can also get you 40% off more expensive brand name medications at 50,000 participating pharmacies. All right. Devastating, right? Devastating for like CVS or Walgreens. But again, we kind of knew it was coming. A couple of years ago, Amazon acquired a little company called PillPack. And the drugstore stocks have really never recovered from that because everyone's afraid of the Death Star with good reason. We've seen this story played out so many times. Amazon gets a toll, then they hit the competitors with a death ray. However, we're not the only ones who knew this attack was coming. I think it's pretty clear that CVS had the same idea. And they've gone to great lengths to protect themselves. And I think they're going to be successful. So how do you prevent yourself from getting fried by the retail death star? Well, first of all, you get out of the way. Amazon wants to get into pharmacy business. That means it's time to diversify away from the old drugstore model. Two years ago, CVS did just that when they acquired Aetna, the health insurance giant that now accounts for 40% of its sales. At the same time, the company rolled out health hubs, which are like ready clinics that let you speak to an actual person, something many of us still like to do. I know the thought of actually having a conversation might be alien to younger people, but there are plenty of us who like it when we can talk things over with a pharmacist. That's especially true, by the way, when you consider that the drugstores like CVS will be the main distributors of the COVID vaccine. You're going to go to a CVS to get the darn vaccine. Now, does that mean you can buy CVS given that it dropped more than 8% today? Look, when Amazon bought PillPack, this thing tumbled 6% and then lost another 2% the next day. Basically the same level of decline we've seen here. Then it roared back to eight before cratering again when Amazon took aim at the front of the store. Normally, I'd say just forget about it. There's no use betting against the Death Star. I'm sure a lot of you don't even want to hear about CVS. Uh, and, and by the way, I got disgusted with it after a while, but, you know, they are doing some things to make the store stock much more attractive. For starters, once the vaccines are proven distributed, tens of millions of people could end up going to one of their stores to get their shots. And that's a ton of potential customers. Second, I think the health hubs are a great plan. We know the stores tend to do well when they're rolled out. Third and most important, the healthcare stocks are incredibly out of favor, all of them right now, relative to their historic averages. You have to go back almost 30 years to find valuations that are this low. Right now, CVS is a value stock that sells for less than nine times earnings and sports a bountiful 3% yield, much better than treasuries. In other words, you're being paid to wait as the Aetna business keeps growing and the health hubs are rolled out nationwide. I know you don't want to be patient, but there's the story. Look, anytime you go against the Death Star, you're recording disaster. Just ask the bookstores, the record stores, the marginal department stores that Amazon has picked off. Of course, maybe I'm really talking my book when we own a CVS for our charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the actualplus.com club. And I didn't sell any at 72. Hey, maybe I'm just, well, I'm, maybe that was a mistake. I don't know. I'm in it for the long term. 
I honestly don't believe former CEO Larry Merlot would leave a successor, Karen Lynch, with such a weekend. And remember, she's from the health insurance side, not from the store side. Sure, the Amazon news is a negative, but this is a value stock. And there's always something wrong with a value stock or it wouldn't be so low to begin with. When it comes to CVS, I think the bad news is already baked in. And that means this thing is a buy, but only after they slam it and downgrade it tomorrow, as I think they will. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.